Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today. Great show today because the NFL schedule has officially been released. Yesterday, I was able to look at it. So, beginning of the podcast, I'm going to break that down, what that entails, a few teams specifically. I'll get into and, you know, just some of the early reactions uh, to that schedule. Um, you know, Wednesday, I broke down some of the games that were released, the international slate, and then yesterday's games that were released as well. So if you want a more detailed uh, schedule release of some select games, check out those two podcasts. So I'll be talking about the NFL schedule today. Then um, I'm also going to be covering the NBA. Celtics, even the series yesterday, big clutch performance for Jason Tatum. And then the Nuggets annihilate the Suns, Suns embarrassing fashion two years in a row. Then tonight, Knicks Heat, Warriors Lakers, Heat Lakers both have a chance to close out at home. Will they do it? And then I'll finish up with the 76ers Celtics game seven as well. So let's get into it with the NFL schedule. Uh... I looked at the schedule yesterday. You know, I was driving up to the Suns-Nuggets playoff game, listened to some of it, uh, checked it out before the game started, and it looked great. It got me so hyped for the football season. Of course, Ticketmaster's already wanting to sell me playoff t- or, uh, tickets to Cardinals games or other teams I'm interested in, Lions, Jets. Uh, so it just got me pumped, you know. I think, you know, with the schedule release, I think this the summer's going to go by a lot faster now, just in anticipation of uh, this was like the first domino, I think, or the second really domino of the new season to start. I feel still feel like, like free agency and, you know, the March is kind of really like post-Super um, Bowl. It still feels part of that season. It doesn't make me feel excited about a new season uh, as much as the draft does. And as much as the schedule released does. So with those two things being completed, it's like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this football season um, to start. And I think the NFL did a great job scheduling. Uh, There are 14 playoff matches, rematches uh, from this previous year, which happened to be the most ever. So I think that is phenomenal as well. Those are matchups that, of course, people want to see. Uh, those are some of the biggest matchups, biggest draws in the NFL. So I'm glad we do get uh, some of those playoff matchups. I think that's fantastic. And one thing I noticed as well is last year, you know, Thursday night had a very poor showing of football games. I thought Sunday night by far had the best slate. Uh, when I look at it this year, uh, to me, it's a lot more spread out evenly across um more networks. Uh, I think Monday night has a terrific slate. I do think Sunday night has a great one as well. Uh, more in tandem here. But I do think, uh, again, it's more evenly across where it's, you know, not just Sunday night gets the premier matchups. It's okay, there's Mondays here or a Thursday here, or a couple 225s or even a 10 o'clock game as well that I'm excited for. So I think that is exciting as well. Of course, the most talk has been about my Detroit Lions still playing the Chiefs on that uh, season opener. And, you know, I'm here to defend it. The, I think the VP of the president, the VP of the football operations, 
I believe Mike North is his name, uh, said today uh, that, you know, he defended the line spot saying they earned their way to primetime. They played their way into primetime. They won eight of their last ten games uh, to finish uh, nine and eight last year. Uh, they, um, you know, final game was flexed for Sunday night. They beat the Packers Sunday night. Um, and, you know, cost them a spot at the playoffs. Um, probably Aaron Rodgers retiring a Packer. And then also the HBO Hard Knock series as well helped out the uh, Lions as well. A lot more attention on them, which I think is good. I do think the Lions played into this spot. Again, I think either the Bengals or the Eagles would have been like a better, more interesting story for week one. Uh, but I think this will be good. Uh, Dan Campbell has already talked about when on Good Morning America, I said how excited he is for this opportunity, how the team is. He says he can't let the NFL down with giving him this spot. Of course, we signed an ex-Eagle player, uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was on the team that lost that Super Bowl to the Chiefs. So he said it'll be emotional for him, but that he wants to get the win. So I do think this is going to be a big game. And after more of what I'm reading, and the Chiefs opened as seven-point favorites already. You can already see uh, the betting odds favorites for week one. Uh, I do think it's going to be closer than that. Like I said, I still think the Chiefs win. My early prediction, depending on what happens between now and September 7th, of course, that's still less than four months away. Yes, I'm counting down the days. Uh, but, again, that's going to be a very, very great matchup. Let's start week one. Then there's some teams I want to single out in terms of schedule before I kind of do a full overview. One of those is the Jets. Uh, of course, big reason is they play or they have Aaron Rodgers now. So when you look at their schedule, uh, pre-buy, it's brutal. And then post-buy, to me, it does let up and get very easy. So, of course, there's going to be growing pains with Aaron Rodgers. He opened with the Bills. I think they can win that one. They open with the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers has histor historically owned the Cowboys. I think they can win them. Uh, then they play the Patriots. A uh, divisional game could go either way. Then they play the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are better than the Jets. They play the Broncos. That could be a team improved with Sean Payton in Denver. Uh, then they play the Eagles. Again, I do think the Eagles are better than the Jets. Then they get their bye week. So those are the matches before their bye week. So it's tough. Some of those could go either way again. His first time there in um, New York. And then after that, it does, get, to me, it gets a lot easier. So if they go, you know, in those seven weeks, I believe four and three, three and four. Uh, actually, I, I think it's more around the four and three mark. Uh, they'll go, you know, hopefully five and two. Then it does get easier. Uh, they play the Giants. Definitely think the Jets have improved over the Giants. Chargers, I could see it a loss. Then they play the Raiders, uh, the Bills, that one will be in Buffalo, so tougher. Uh, Dolphins, easy to me. Falcons, easy. Texans, easy. Dolphins again. Uh, and again, who knows if two will be there December 17th. Uh, Jets, uh, then play the Commanders, Browns, Patriots. So again, the ending to that is much more uh, easy than the start. So... 
I look at it, I believe they're at around 10.5 wins over under. I'd go over that. Uh, personally, I do think 11-6 and six is about right uh, for me, kind of how I see the Jets performing. Uh, but they got, you know, a didn't get a break, but I think it's going to be good. It's going to be a good schedule. And the Chiefs. I'm going to talk about the Chiefs as well because they're the defending champions. Now, to me, the Chiefs didn't get a lot of breaks. They have a very tough stretch. And this is why, you know, the strengths of schedule uh, that they try to pull at me before the actual schedule is revealed, it's, you know, it doesn't mean a lot because, like I said, the matchups, when you play them, uh, the other matchups, again, back-to-back, it's tough. So they play, the Chiefs play the Lions right away. Again, I think that'll be a tough opponent uh, as well. These are not the same old Detroit Lions. Then the week after, we play in Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is very much improved. They're going to win the AFC South with Trevor Lawrence and them. So I wouldn't sleep on this opponent considering the Jaguars put up a good fight against the Chiefs in that divisional round playoff matchup, and I think they've only improved. That should be good. Then they get a break with the Bears. But then a gauntlet really starts where they have to play in New York against the Jets is tough. They have to go uh, to Minnesota. That's a tough road trip there. And then on a short week, they play the Broncos. Again, the Broncos have played Mahomes tough uh, since Mahomes has got there. Yes, he's owned them. But those a lot of those have been close games, even dating back to last year. Uh, should be improved with Sean Payton. Then they play the Chargers uh, again, and the Chargers... Always have played the Chiefs tough. Uh, they've beat them as well, like the only divisional, one of the two divisional opponents that have beat Patrick Mahomes. Uh, then he plays with the Broncos again. And then they travel to Germany to face the Dolphins. So that tough stretch there is seven. Uh, then they get their bye week. And then they play the Eagles. So, again, that is very tough. Then the Raiders, again, Raiders have played them tough. I think they'll be better this year. Packers will be easier. Then they play the Bills at New England. Uh, then the Raiders again. Then the Bengals. And then they finish with the Chargers. That's brutal. To me, that's a brutal schedule. I think they'll be. I think they were fourteen and three last year. Yes, they were fourteen and three. I think they'll be lucky. Or actually, I shouldn't say lucky uh, because they're a good team. They'll be happy to be twelve and five this year. Honestly, uh, twelve and five I think would be great for them uh, this year. So I'll say that. Another team, the other team that played them in the Super Bowl, the Eagles. So the Eagles had the toughest uh, strength of schedule. But then I look at the schedule and I'm like, is it the toughest? Like, to me, it doesn't seem that tough. So they open with the Patriots. Again, uh, I don't think the Patriots are anything to scoff at, uh, you know, I think they're a decent team, but the Eagles, to me, have proven to be superior. Then they get primetime Kirk Cousins Thursday night. That'll be a win. They get the Buccaneers on Monday night, and this ain't Tom Brady's Buccaneers, so I expect the Eagles to win. Eagles play the Commanders, divisional opponent. They beat them last year. This could be a swing game as well. Then they play the Rams. The Rams could be improved, but they're not better than the Eagles. Then they play the Jets again, tough. Dolphins... If, again, this is all dependent on Tua for the Dolphins. Then the Commanders. Then they play the Cowboys tough. So this is when their tough stretch begins. They play the Cowboys. 
Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. That's a very that's a very tough stretch. If they go three and three for those six games, congratulations to them. Anything better? I really tip my hat to them. Uh, and then they finish with, you know, Giants easy, Cardinals easy, Giants easy. So they get a stretch there for toughness. They, they could very much start the season, you know, eight and one, uh, something ridiculous like that to where then they can afford to go um, three and three and then win the final game to finish 13-4 and four again and get the number one seed. That's not out of a realm of possibility for the Philadelphia Eagles at all. Then another team I think had a brutal stretch, uh, me and my brother were talking about yesterday, him being a Seattle fan, is to me they have a brutal stretch really starting uh, mid-November to mid-December. Uh, it's rough because they play the Rams. Now, the Rams always play the Seahawks tough. It's in L.A., and uh, I expect the Rams to be better. Not a lot better than last year, but I think if healthy with Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, they're definitely a better team. Then they play the Niners. Uh, again, Niners crushed the Seahawks three times last year, so you have that game. Then they play the Cowboys on uh, Thursday night again. Then they play the Niners Yet again, so two times in a three-week span. And then after that, they played the Eagles. So that's brutal. There's some teams here with uh, very tough stretches. Those are just a few of them. Uh, and those are stretches that you want to go at least 500. If it's five of them, you want to go three and two, uh, especially late in the season. Uh, and I like how later in the season there are some meaningful games. It's I kind of like how the schedule is broken down. There's... A lot of good games in the beginning uh, to really, you know, hype you up. So, to me, true beginning of the season is September. So, there's some great September games. Of course, you know, Lions-Chiefs, uh, Dolphins-Chargers, Bills-Jets week one in September. Uh, you follow that with the Seahawks-Lions sort of revenge game, Ravens-Bengals as well. Dolphins-Patriots rivalry. Uh, you know, then you get... Uh, you know, Rams-Bengals, uh, Super Bowl rematch. Uh, you get uh, the uh, Lions-Packers as well in another rematch. You get the Chiefs-Jets, the State Farm Bowl between Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes, all before, you know, basically October starts. And you kind of get into the weeds where they'll sprinkle in a few games here, the Cowboys-Niners. One week will be the premier game. Uh, the Cowboys Chargers another week just to kind of get you going through a football season. You know, Chargers Chiefs, a lot of divisional uh, action in there. Uh, you'll get some other matchups like the Bengals Niners, I think, will be great in October. Um, uh, again, another one, Bills Bengals, uh, will start kickoff November. Is a great matchup as you have those international series in London, in Germany. Uh, then again in November you have the Lions Chargers I think will be a great matchup um, Bengals Ravens again in November uh, Eagles Chiefs in November uh, you get the Thanksgiving games and then you get to December where they say hey we're about to ramp it back up for 
you know, the final push to see playoff seeding. These games become really important after Christmas. Uh, so we want to make some of them meaningful where we get the Bills Chiefs later in the season. We get the Eagles Cowboys uh, in that same stretch in December. Uh, we get the Eagles Seahawks. Um, you get the uh, Bengal or the Bills and Chargers. You get the Lions Vikings twice, which could be for the division. Uh, you have Ravens Niners as well, another Super Bowl rematch. You have Lions Cowboys, which could be for playoff seeding. You have Bengals Chiefs as well, could be for the one seed. Um, so it's going to be, I think, great. It's going to be a lot of great games. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to breaking it down even more, especially as we get later to the season, and then seeing, you know, uh, what happens, making predictions, all that good stuff. I'm ready for it. The NFL schedule release was awesome. Uh, looking forward uh, to the NFL season even more now. Uh, might have a countdown clock. Uh, basically, maybe to start every podcast on the days till the NFL season, uh, because that's how revved up I am. Um, I'm excited. But to hold me over until the NFL starts, I got the NBA playoffs. Now, yesterday, two games, two game sixes. I'm going to start with the Celtics 76ers. Yesterday, I picked the Celtics to win, and I picked Jason Tatum to have a brilliant game, kind of reminiscent of his game six last year against the, excuse me, uh, the Bucks, where he uh, dropped 40 points. I said, Tatum's going to be brilliant. Well, Tatum wasn't that good. He was like, he was one of 13 through three quarters, three points. He was awful. I thought, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, yesterday I also did my uh, top 12 players in the NBA, especially after yesterday. That list looked very good. They all backed me up. Uh, but going uh, into that fourth quarter, uh, as I was, you know, walking up to scan into the Nugget Suns game, uh, my brother's like, you might have to drop, you know, Jason Tatum on that list because uh, I had him at seven. And I said, yeah, you're about right. If you really just choke this one away, uh, I think I might have to bump him down because he didn't play well again through the first three quarters. Boston was still up, but they let the 76ers surge back. But Jason Tatum took over the fourth quarter. Uh, he was as clutch as a guy. He scored more points in the fourth quarter than the 76ers did as a team. He scored 16. 76ers scored 13. Uh, he went four for five from three in the fourth quarter. One of those big ones over Joel Embiid. Uh, yes, he did not have a great game, but he was clutch. Uh, that was a playoff moment, a uh, defining moment right there. If they go on to win the series and make a run, that is a huge moment for Jason Tatum to be that clutch. Because to me, he was, a, he was the worst player on the floor, him and Al Horford. Stunk up the joint. It was Robert Williams keeping him afloat. Uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, and then Jason Tatum had that just electrifying fourth quarter uh, with those four threes where he scored 12 points in like a minute and a half. I was looking at it, it was three after three after three, and I thought he's shooting this with confidence. 
he's feeling it. So I give credit to Jason Tatum for stepping up in the fourth where his team's on the brink of elimination, and he makes four clutch threes, scores 16 points. Boston goes on to win that game. But I also have to say Philadelphia blew this opportunity at the same time. Uh, you know, it looked bad for them early. They surged back to take the lead, and then in the fourth quarter, they stinked it up. Joel Embiid doesn't touch the ball for the final uh, four minutes. Uh, yes, he had a double-double, 26 points, 10 rebounds, but he disappeared in the fourth quarter. And James Harden uh, was the worst player on the floor of the whole game. Uh, 13 points, uh, minus 10 rating, uh, 4 for 16 from the field. He was terrible. Tobias Harris was just as bad. The only reason they don't talk about Tobias Harris as much is because he's not the star name that James Harden is. So Tobias Harris, again, 2 points, 1 of 7 from the field. He was awful. Uh, the 76ers were just awful, uh, basically outside of a free throw line. They only missed one free throw. That was their only saving grace. Because they shot 36 from the field, and they shot 25 or 24% from three. They were dominated on the uh, boards uh, by 12. Uh, Boston was more physical. I don't know if this was a game of, you know, wanting it more. I felt like neither team really wanted it. And then Jason Tatum decided to wake up in the fourth quarter uh, and hit clutch basket after clutch basket and then proceeded to save it humbly. I'm one of the best players in the world. So now I get to compare Jason Tatum uh, to Drax, if you are a Marvel fan like me, we're in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, Drax says, uh, you know, I too am incredibly humble. Of course, uh, when you use humble to speak about yourself, that is kind of counterintuitive uh, because... Humility is something others would describe about you. You don't describe yourself as humble. That kind of defeats the purpose of being humble. So, uh, again, Jason Tatum, again, defeated that purpose. Obviously, he could have just removed humbly. He could just say, I'm one of the best basketball players in the world. Uh, I ain't going to change that fact. But, again, super clutch there for Jason Tatum. Um, and, you know, the 76ers kind of gagging it away. I said yesterday, 76ers, this is the game. They had to win. If they want to close out the series, it's on them to do it at home. And instead, they score 86 points. They drop, you know, lay an egg in the fourth quarter. And the Celtics even the series. And now they go back to Boston for the winner-take-all Game 7. Next up, Nuggets and Suns. Now, I went to this game yesterday, me and my brother, and, you know, sometimes you just are right about things. Like yesterday, I said, the Celt there's no way Celtics are going down in six or tying up the series. Who knows what happens in game seven, but they'll win game six. Right on that one. Then I also said that Nuggets were going to win. Now, Jamal Murray was diagnosed with, like, a non-COVID illness yesterday, so he was questionable. So I said if Nuggets... Play with Jamal Murray, they're going to win. If he doesn't, I'll take the Suns to win. And I was telling my brother and my family, you know, I just had a feeling before the game that I mentioned on my podcast that I don't think this game was going to be close. I said, Nuggets, we're going to, you know, win by 30 or the Suns were going to win by 30. You know, it just had the feeling of one of those games. 
And it was the Nuggets. They were up by 30 at halftime, and they ended up winning by 25. Now, this was basically a rerun of last year, if you remember last year's exact elimination game in Phoenix in the semifinals. Uh, the Phoenix Suns played the Nuggets on their home floor, or the Phoenix Suns played the Mavericks in Game 7 home floor. And Luka Doncic shoots them out of the building. It's 57-27 at halftime, and they go on to win by 33 uh, just embarrassing, humiliating, uh, fans booing them off the court. And it was the same yesterday. Uh, it was 81-51 to 51 at halftime, up by 30. And what it really was was just the efficiency of the Nuggets and the poor defensive execution by the Suns. Uh, I knew it was they were in trouble fourth quarter when, in the first quarter, my bad, when the score was 44-26 Suns or Nuggets. If you let a team score 44 on you in the fourth quarter, you're probably going to lose that game. And then in the second quarter, it was 37. So again, 81 at halftime. You're going to lose that game uh, that way. Um, And they did. Uh, But first, I want to talk about the winning team. Uh, You know, the Nuggets. Yesterday, I said Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world. And he backed it up for me yesterday. He was efficient. He was 13 of 18, made all his free throws attempts. He was the highest plus-minus rating on the floor at plus 28, 32 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, a triple-double, average a triple-double for the series. He's been brilliant. Uh, He bullies people in the paint. He follows his misses. Uh, And again, the offensive efficiency and execution to be makes up for the uh, defensive game. Now, if his offensive game was as limited as a Joel Embiid or a Giannis, with that defensive uh, hole in his game, uh, we wouldn't be talking about Jokic the same way. We'd be like, uh, I don't know about this guy. But the fact that his offensive game is kind of heads and shoulders above everyone else's kind of big man, the Giannis, the Joel Embiid's offensive game, that's what makes him so special. So yesterday, like I said, he is the best player in the world. It's his uh, game right now. He's at his casino, Joker's Wild, and he dictates the terms. Uh, again, another reference right here, if you're familiar with Batman the Animated Series. There's a casino called Joker's Wild uh, that they start, and the Joker eventually uh, takes it over. He runs the place. He deals the cards. That's exactly what Joker was doing yesterday. It was Joker's Wild. He was wheeling and dealing. Best player on the floor. Got others involved. KCP was exceptional, I thought, as well. Uh, 21 points from him. Uh, Jamal Murray with 26 points. Denver. Hats off to them. I mean, congrats. Uh, Of course, this makes me look good because this was my pick to go to the finals with the Nuggets. And they look apart. They look like the best team. I, you know, I totally forgot Reggie Jackson was on their team. And that just shows you the depth because Reggie Jackson was a key starter for the Clippers a couple years ago. But when you have uh, Jeff Green uh, coming off the bench, Bruce Brown, Christian Braun, uh, they are a very loaded team with a lot of talent. And to me, this is just what they needed. Uh, you know, last time they were fully healthy, where were they at? 
They were at the Western Conference Finals. They're fully healthy again. Where are they at? The Western Conference Finals. The past two years, uh, previous two years, you know, Jokic has won MVPs. Uh, it's been his show. Jamal Murray hurt. Uh, injuries persistent. They're healthy. Uh, the chemistry has shown as well. Uh, Jamal and Jokic are the best duo in the NBA right now. Their pick and roll is unstoppable. Credit to them. But now I have to talk about the Suns. Because, again, the Suns blew it for another year in a row. Durant was terrible. He was not efficient at all. He had, you know, four points in, like, the first half. Uh, a lot of garbage time points there. Uh, 19 shots to get 23 points. He was not efficient this series. Uh, he had four turnovers uh, yesterday, which was not good. And it's not good when your best player is Cameron Payne. Uh, Cameron Payne and Jock Landell to me. Watching and Jock Landell had the one bad turnover. Uh, but him and Cameron Payne were the two best players. Cameron Payne shot 7 of 9 from 3, 12 of 16 from the field. I thought that was as good as you're going to get. That was even better than that from the backup to Chris Paul. Devin Booker earned the other hot garbage award. Uh, 13 shots to get 12 points. He was terrible. His shooting uh, went from an all-time heater to all-time cold uh, right there. I thought it was also interesting to start Landry Shamit uh, as well. When I kind of saw that up on the screen yesterday, I was like, wait, Shamit? If I was them, I would have started anyone else. I would have started uh, Tory Craig or Warren or Damian. I would have done anybody over Landry Shamit. I don't think that was a smart move. I know he was hot um, in game uh, four, the last time home, uh, but... That's not a move I would have wanted, considering hasn't played that well uh, this postseason outside of that one game. So the Suns get eliminated, again, in embarrassing fashion. So there's a couple points I want to touch on. The first is KD. I don't want to hear anyone, you know, I'm going to, their just credibility to me is done. If anyone says that KD is the best player in basketball, it just... It's hogwash. It's out the window. He's never been uh, the best player in basketball. You know, maybe he's been the best. He's been the best player in basketball for stretches, but after the end of a season, uh, one full season, he's never been the best player in basketball. Kevin Durant has never in his career said he's been the best player in basketball. Never, ever, ever since the time he's been in the league. LeBron has always been better than him year after year. And the, you know, small chances of the year that it isn't uh, LeBron James, uh, you know, the year Steph Curry won it that one year. Steph Curry was the best player. Then it went back to LeBron. Even both times Kevin Durant won the two rings with the Warriors, LeBron was better. Kawhi had a year. He was better. Uh, Giannis the past couple of years. Jokic as well. Kevin Durant has never been the best player in the world. I never want to hear he's been the best player in the world. I never want to hear he can carry a team anywhere because he has shown that he can't carry squat anywhere. Uh, he joined the greatest team ever, 73-9, and nine, and won two rings with him. That's what he did. Outside of that, he lost in the finals to LeBron once. And outside of that... He's never made it 
to the finals. Not with the Nets, not with the Suns. Again, the one time with the Thunder in which LeBron beat him. I don't want to hear this notion of Kevin Durant being the greatest player ever or greatest player in one time or anything. I don't want to hear great associated with Kevin Durant's name at all. He's not in the same league as LeBron James. He's not in the same league as Stephen Curry. Those are the two greatest players of this generation. To me, they are, you know, higher up. To me, you have LeBron at Tier 1A. You have uh, Steph at Tier 1B. And then there are, like, Tier 2, 3, and 4, which nobody's in there. Nobody occupies it because nobody has done half of what those two guys have done. And then I'll put KD in a Tier 6 uh, with Giannis. But I, I'm tired of this notion of KD. Uh, people talking about KD like he's something like he carries teams. What does he carry his teams to? Not the finals. Jason Tatum swept him last year. Nikola Jokic beat him in six this year. Multiple times. Steph Curry beat him. The Grizzlies beat him. LeBron's beat him. Kevin Durant is not that guy. And sometimes people are just going to have to accept that fact that he is not that guy. And he ain't getting any younger either. So I'm sorry to drop this truth on you, but I am sick and tired of hearing about Kevin Durant when he hasn't done half of what Steph and LeBron have done. What else about the Suns? Well, the other thing I was upset about is Devin Booker usually talks to the media. He pulled a a Dylan Brooks move and rejected talking to media because he was so upset about his loss, but who knows how he feels. I'll talk more about that later. But, you know, low move from a guy who front runs a lot and then does that. And then the other thing is uh, what I've been reading uh, this morning and is I think uh, Chris Paul's played his last game and DeAndre Aiden has played his last game there. Uh, this was my mock trade, you know, but I, I forget which website I saw it on uh, a week ago. But I really liked it. Uh, and then, it, you know, kind of gained traction today considering the Suns had interest in Fred Van Fleet. And what it was was the Suns, uh, because it, I don't think they can offer a first-round pick, it has to be pick swaps. Uh, so it would be second-round picks, pick swaps involved, plus Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden for uh, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. Now, to me, this works for both teams. The Raptors get the pick. Uh, they get Chris Paul uh, for, like, one year. Uh, DeAndre Aiden, see if they can kind of revitalize him. And considering Nick Nurse has gone, you kind of get rid of the old Raptors team as we know it. You kind of start fresh uh, build up. And then the Suns benefit because you get a younger uh, version of Chris Paul, not the passer that he is, but definitely a better shooter than Chris Paul and Fred Van Fleet, which I think works with him. And then you get Pascal Siakam, uh, who his deficiencies at the free throw line. But the thing is, he tries. Uh, he has effort. I think he fit in with this group. Now, he isn't the typical center and more of a you know true power forward. Um, so I think he would have trouble at, you know, with playing, you know, center 82 games. But outside of that, uh, I think that's a trade that works for the Suns because they have to do something. I think there's major changes coming for the Suns. 
there are teams, uh, you know, better than them uh, for sure. Then let's talk about tonight's games. First, Knicks Heat. So this to me is a pivotal game for the Heat, uh, considering uh, I thought the Knicks were a little more talented than the Heat outside of Jimmy Butler. If this goes to seven, the Knicks could very well win this series. So I think the Heat need to look to secure this series. Uh, tonight, uh, Jimmy Butler, I think, will have to be better. I think he'll be better. Uh, he had 19 points. I like some of what they did against the Knicks, but they've you know had control of this series. They've had the lead every game in the series. They've, uh, I think, felt good. They're psychologically better than the Knicks for the moment. Uh, Eric Spolstra is the superior coach to Thibs. I think Thibs is great, uh, but Eric Spolstra is elite. So you have that uh, going for you as well. For the Miami Heat, uh, so with all that, I do think they get it done again. Jimmy Butler, I think Duncan Robinson, big contributions from three. Uh, Bam Adebayo locked in defensively um, as well. And then other players, the Caleb Martins, the Vincents, I think will step up at home. And I think they'll put the Knicks to rest. Knicks had a great first-round series against uh, Cavs, uh, put up a fight in Game 5 and won. They at least made this respectable. So if they get late to pasture tonight, it'll be all right. I think the Heat win. Then the Warriors-Lakers. Game 6 here uh, for the Lakers. I think tonight, LeBron, Lakers, they close out a dynasty. This ends the Warriors. I think there will be major changes for the Warriors uh, this offseason, considering the Jordan Poole contract will kick in. The Draymond Green wants an extension. The Clay Thompson wants a max. I mean, there's going to be major changes in Golden State, and LeBron's going to be the one to, to seal the deal. The other thing I like is people don't I, – I should say this. Players respect LeBron, you know, the good players, the Stephs, the KDs, Booker, they all respect LeBron, Jimmy Butler. It's the bums that don't respect LeBron. It's, uh, you know, Dylan Brooks' this past series that didn't respect LeBron. Now it's Jamichael Green in this series. I posted a picture of LeBron on his Instagram story with a cat, uh, you know, saying he's a liar uh, on about his teams and flopping the past 20 years. Uh, LeBron sees all that. He soaks it all in. He won't say it motivates him, but it does. He posted the thing about Dylan Brooks and the Bear on his Instagram when they beat him. So, you know, uh, it's just stupid to try to, you know, rile up LeBron. Uh, but I do think them being at home helps. That'll be better for the role players. It'll even players like D'Lo and Austin Reeves. AD not having a concussion or really injury problems. I think that'll be good. Um, so... That benefits them uh, being at home. And then the Warriors, um, I think Steph will be great. Klay Thompson's been non-existent this series. Again, I think Game 6 Clay is now a myth after this playoff, last year's playoff. There's really been no, there's been no game play as well. There's been. And then Andrew Wiggins has a rib contusion, something serious, uh, somewhat, I think, to what Aiden had. That kept Aiden out. So Wiggins isn't going to be at 100%. Uh, and he had his best game of the playoffs, maybe of the season, 
in Game Five. So with all those factors, I'm rolling with the war or with the Lakers tonight to win this game. I'm not saying Steph and the Warriors put up a fight, but I think the Lakers close this game out and close the series out. And then the last thing I want to touch on is Game Seven. The only definitive Game Seven we have uh, is Sixers Celtics. Now Sixers haven't made. Uh, the conference finals again since 2001 with AI. The last time they were this close was another game seven four years ago. Today, actually, is when uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard hit the buzzer beater over Joel Embiid in the semifinals uh, to secure that win for his team. And since, of course, Joel Embiid crying, the infamous meme, all that. So... You have that built up. You have the Celtics. I think Jason Tatum is going to build on his performance that he just had against the Sixers in Game uh, 6. They have an extra day of rest as well, which I think benefits both teams. Uh, But the Celtics being home, I think, will be too much. I think the Celtics win. Is it close? Yes. Uh, But maybe, just maybe... uh, the Celtics and Jason Tatum will pull some Kawhi-type stuff if it's tight, close in the game. And Jason Tatum pulls, uh, again, a Kawhi, and he sends Joel Embiid off crying. That would be something else. Let me tell you that. Uh, but again, uh, whoever team loses this game, I do expect a roster shakeup. Not, you know, selling Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum, but I think some of the supporting cast, you know... It'll be interesting, but I like Celtics to win this game. So those are my uh, my thoughts, my predictions there. Uh, I think it's going to be a great uh, weekend as well, depending how many Game 7s we have. Is it just one with the 76ers Celtics, or somehow Lakers lose and they get a Game 7 as well uh, this weekend? Should be exciting as we approach the conference finals for the NBA. I hope everyone has a great weekend. This has been Unbothered. Talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody.